the cannabis industry is evolving at a radical pace, progressing toward the green peak. Each week, join Richard Zwicky, a cannabis visionary and entrepreneur, as he interviews experts from around the globe to discuss updates and evolutions in the world of cannabis. Let's make that climb together up the, the green, green peak. peak with your host, Richard Zwicky. Hi, everybody. I'm Richard Zwicky on the Green Peak, and thanks for joining us again this week. Today, we have Jonathan Summers, who is the CEO and chairman of EXM Suticals, which is a uh, Canadian company operating in Portugal. And Jonathan's call, contacting us today out of London in the UK. Welcome, Jonathan. Thank you very much, Richard, for having me on here. Yeah, so Jonathan, you know, obviously, you know, for all our listeners' benefit, you and I have been dealing on a few things over the last, uh, since we met about 10 months ago or so. Yeah. Um, and, you know, your your business has developed and changed a, a fair bit over the last eight months, um, focusing really heavily into the um, laboratory side based out of Portugal. How How'd that come to be the the sole focus and how did, how do you see the market evolving that drove that change for you? Uh, yeah, no, that's a, that's a great place to start, Richard. Thanks for that question. So it's, it's fair to say EXM has definitely changed a lot over the, over the last year. Um, the company listed on the CSE early in 2019. And I first came across the company initially, uh, as you know, as, as a private investor. And um, I was very excited about the potential and at that point, the, the real essence behind EXM was to go down the route of being an, an emerging markets cultivator of cannabis on the basis that we didn't think Canada was the, was the sort of the, the optimum place to be growing simply for climatic reasons and, and cost reasons. And over the last year, that's really evolved. And the business has really sort of moved away from that uh, for, for a number of reasons. At, in, alongside the uh, long-standing plan to grow cannabis um, in suitable regions of Africa, EXM had also been building up a, a presence in Portugal, and at, mainly because that was where we thought the products could, could end up and where it could sort of access the European market. And what's really happened over the last year is the potential of Portugal and the sort of speed with which things have been moving on there have really brought that front and center. And really, that's what we're focusing on now to the exclusion of pretty much everything else. So those plans had been uh, in process uh, alongside uh, the cultivation plans, but we'd really sort of emphasize those now. And we're focusing primarily and indeed solely upon that. So we've exited our operations in Africa, which had got to the point where we'd sort of started planting some test crops. But I think partly as a small business, you need to focus on your key deliverables. And I think also the European opportunity, which we can talk about maybe a bit later in terms of why it's so exciting for all cannabis businesses, uh, but why we want to be located inside Europe and, and inside Portugal. Um, that opportunity really sort of started sort of becoming front and center in everything we did. So November last year, we received the key and still unique license in Portugal um, for R&D, uh, for cannabinoids, so that includes THC. So we have the license there for the laboratory to import, research, refine, process, and export uh, cannabinoids. That's obviously inside the European Union. This license applies to our fully equipped and operational R&D lab and pilot refinery, 
So we are able to conduct all of everything from extraction through to the purification and refining. We are a, we've been working on all the protocols to do with the CBD uh, and the other cannabinoids and terpenes that are in there. And I think terpenes are often forgotten as part of this puzzle. And we've been working very much down the route of getting grants to help us expand that research, both in terms of formulations and the potential for the compounds in the plant, but also in terms of how we then scale up that up um, to an industrial The facility we currently have, as I say, the lab and the uh, pilot refinery, we're not allowed to sell commercially from. So I cannot currently be delivering quantities of pure CBD or CBN or THC on a medical basis around Europe or indeed beyond from that facility. So what we've, the whole intention of this over the last year has been to what's in the lab is a mini scale of what we will be doing in the industrial facility, which will give all the parties concerned, us particularly and our shareholders, but also the regulator and the, all the government authorities in Portugal, the comfort that we can scale this into the industrial facility and we have all those plans and we are, they are fully committed to give us the license to operate that commercially once we've constructed it. So, look, we've, we're focusing on this at, and, and not focusing on the cultivation side because I think we want to focus on that sort of segment of the market. There's going to be a lot of cultivators within Portugal and beyond that we can work with. I think there's nobody else doing it in the country in terms of being that hub with the cultivators being the spokes. And I think there's a huge potential for that business to be a very, very sizable one around Europe. And obviously, Richard, I, in a way, I would also like to be working rather than growing it in-house, as you know, we've discussed many times having a relationship with you and we have the MOU in place to buy sizable quantities of THC from you. So, you know, that, that's, some, that's where we can definitely work with people. So the, re the reason why we're so focused on Europe is simply because of what we think the market can be for cannabinoids in general. And everything we see is of a market growing very rapidly. Prohibitions partners' estimates are that by 2028, the market in Europe across all types of cannabinoids could be 135 billion euros. We obviously have to face facts that the market could be bigger than that, but it could also be a fraction of that. But even if I take that 135 billion and divide it by four, I still get to a very, very sizable number. And I think in Europe, there's going to be a very high focus on certification standards, consistency, knowledge about the molecule, knowledge about where the cannabis was grown, where the cannabinoids were extracted, where they were refined, and who supplies them. And I think there's going to need to be a, a huge investment all the way along that value chain from all the operators in order to deliver what is basically a pharmaceutical medical product. And everything we see in Europe is heading that way in terms of regulation, certification, standard requirements, particularly around EU GMP certification. And that's the market we're trying to address. Okay. And that makes perfect sense. So obviously, you know, the, the changeover from where you were to where today is makes, you know, is very good business uh, strategy. Um, fully appreciate it. Now, last week, there was an announcement from within the European Union about novel foods. 
mm -hmm. which is causing a lot of uncertainty to companies operating in Europe. How do you um, how do you look at that? Like, how does it affect you directly? I mean, for our perspective, you know, medical goes into a narcotics and pharmaceutical channel uh, on many levels, but of course, so much of the European market, people were considering was opening further. Now, is it going to be more limited, more difficult, or is it really just going to change the uh, distribution channels? I think it's going to change the channels uh, where the cannabinoids come from, mm -hmm. how they're processed, how they're extracted, and how they're distributed. But I think this is just part and parcel of the process of what I was just referring to, Richard, in terms of the standards that are required. So um, it, I, obviously, I read the headlines with a degree of concern, but uh, have spent quite a bit of time on this, as I'm sure you have. I, I know you have too. And actually, I regard this as an opportunity because really what they're doing by going down the route of declaring these as, as, as effectively, potentially declaring them as a narcotic, is what they're doing is they're effectively trying to um, limit how hemp can be used to create cannabinoids. And I think this is quite key. And I think it shows how Europe is thinking about this. In the US, people have gone down the route of planting hundreds and hundreds of acres of outdoor hemp and mm -hmm. producing cannabinoids from that. And that's one way to go. And I think in Europe, a lot of these questions around is CBD a narcotic comes from the point of view of, well, we're okay with people planting a lot of industrial hemp for industrial purposes, for fibers uh, and industrial applications. But when it comes to them creating cannabinoids from that and selling it off into either the wellness um, uh, consumer products chain or even a medical chain, that's a, that's a very different thing. If somebody wants to be supplying um, what is effectively an industrial product into the food chain, why wouldn't they require all the certifications that somebody uh, would need to, to do that for cannabis? So yep. actually, I, th I think this is more to do with, okay, if you want to be producing cannabinoids, you're going to need a license to grow cannabinoids, i.e. to grow cannabis, in all its forms, and you're, there's no shortcut around this to flood the market with cheap CBD that's grown outside where you don't have those permissions. And we are going to issue these licenses to people who are specifically growing cannabinoids. It is not a side product of an industrial hemp process. So actually, I think this, this feeds directly into a business plan, which is very much along the lines of EU, GMP, grow, source, process, refine, distribute, and there's going to be no question where this comes from. So actually, I think this is very good for the people operating in the cannabis business to the required standard. What it really affects is people who are trying to circumvent the rules by growing hemp. Well, let's come back to that after the break. We do have to take a, a bit of a break, um, but coming back in a moment with Jonathan Summers from EXM Studicals. I'm Richard Zwicky with The Green Peak. Be back in a moment. The Green Peak will climb back into your podcast player after we play some messages from our sponsors. Elevate your every day with that Shuggies feeling with the sweet taste of Shuggies. Add a cup of Shuggies to your morning coffee. Ah, how sweet it is. Shuggies infuses cannabis and cane sugar to make it the perfect sweetener with benefits. Make your happy hour happier with a dunk of Shuggies in your drink. Order your Shuggies now at S-H-O-O-G-I-E-S dot com or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Shuggies, the sweet, sweet, take-anywhere treat. Plant Profits. 
I'm Vern Davis, and I'd like to introduce you to some of the most forward-thinking executives and companies in the cannabis industry. We call them the Plant Profits. Each week on Plant Profits, we talk to the people at the forefront of the industry, creating real companies and career opportunities. We'll learn from the people leading the charge into the promised land of profit. Plant Profits is powered by Protus Global, people solutions firm that has been building companies, changing lives since 1995. P-R-O-T-I-S global.com. Protus Global. Find Plant Profits now at CannabisRadio.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. <laughs> they have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. This is the original fabric container for faster producing, healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, smart pots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? Smart pots are BPA-free and lead-free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the U.S. Over 28 million smart pots have already been sold so it seems like a smart investment. Look for smart pots in close to 2,000 garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. Climbing our way up, up, up to the Cannabis Summit of Success. Cannabis Radio is back with more of the Green Peak. And we're back with Jonathan Summers from EXM Ceuticals. And, you know, just before the break, we we're talking about the change in uh, novel foods in, in Europe. And, of course, the UK is being handled differently than the rest of Europe. But, you know, for all of our listeners who aren't, who may not be aware of it, last week in, uh, last week, so that being uh, the beginning of, uh, the end of July, sorry, the um, EU announced a move away from novel foods that looks at cannabis being reclassified back as a narcotic again. And in some ways, this is causing uh, strong ripples and waves through the industry in Europe, where people not, are not sure which way things will go. In the UK, they're going down a different path completely. But what it does appear to push is more of the industry to focus on medical cannabis is different from hemp, is different from general production materials, and we need to treat it as such. And Jonathan, is that you know the way... You, Basically, I think that's the way you're reading it. And your facility in Portugal, of course, uh, is looking to supply all of Europe, but also the UK. So that dual system there where the UK is going down the novel foods path and the rest of Europe into the narcotics path, where's the crossover going to become? Because, you know, people are already confused with novel foods. They think that every ingredient in the final product has to be classified as opposed to the final product, but then there's also a way to get in. If you register your product, then it can be used for specific purposes and other things. There's a lot of confusion. What are you seeing? Look, I think, I think economics will win. I think Europe is a lot bigger. I think it will be very hard to be in the UK and selling your products elsewhere. Mm -hmm. So I think the rules will inevitably apply in a more broader sense. I think Europe will lead the pack, but I think Europe is actually being sensible. And I wouldn't, I, my, my political views maybe wouldn't always encourage me to say that, but I think Europe is actually being very sensible. What, if How I would interpret the rules, really, Richard, comes down to the following. If you want to be growing 
and, and effectively providing and extracting cannabinoids for human consumption, that's an entirely different licensing and industrial process than if you want to be growing industrial hemp. And quite rightly, if somebody's going to be going to the down the route of building and getting licensed and investing in building a cannabis cultivation facility in Portugal or wherever else, or indeed, I guess globally, why is somebody else going to be able to produce um, a similar molecule but far less regulated and much, much cheaper um, in a sort of less professional manner simply by being able to circumvent the rules by saying, well, actually, it's hemp. So I think the, this all comes back to the fact that the hemp is effectively cannabis. It just doesn't have a lot of THC in it. But the market is moving beyond that now because increasingly people are saying, well, what are the other cannabinoids? And what about CBN and CBC and CBG? And what are the medical uses of these? And actually, I think what we're really seeing is the EU saying, if it's going in somebody's body, we need to have oversight of that process. You don't get around it just by saying, well, I'm, I'm growing hemp. So look, I think there is some confusion. I'm not particularly surprised but Europe wants this to be a pharmaceutical medical business at the moment. If there is a big spur toward legalize, towards legalization, that will unfold separately and in a different way. But at the moment, if you want to be selling cannabinoids around Europe at scale, you're going to have to be operating to a medical standard. That's how I interpret the rules. That makes, that makes sense. So looking at it you know, from the economics behind it, Last year in the fall, we saw prices crash around CBD because of the industrial hemp hitting the market and going into the wellness and you know, medical space. Um, now that product is not going to be viable, which means there's going to be further price drops in the U.S. if the Europe is no longer an outlet for production. But there's also going to be an effect on the um, you know producers around the world hitting uh, that are marketing to Europe. Um, with industrial hemp-based cannabinoids or uh, CBD. Um, obviously, that was a big business in Lithuania and some other countries for import into Europe. What's going to happen for pricing in Europe? It's now you know, more restricted to higher quality product. Will that also change the pricing dynamics and how soon do you see that happening? Richard, I think that's an, an excellent question about pricing. I, my, I, I wouldn't say I have a crystal ball to be able to predict cannabinoid pricing um, over the next None of us 12, do. 18 months. <laughs> um, I, I wish I could. I wish I could. I'd probably make a lot of money. But um, look, I think there's going to be a period of confusion while people figure out these rules. I think the UK will push its agenda and we'll try to, uh, Europe will push back. I think it's going to be extremely hard for anybody who's been bringing in, importing, what is now going to be deemed to be a substandard product to get that into any kind of real supply chain. I think you may be able to sell some online if people want to buy it. There'll always be places where you can purchase this. But I think in terms of mainstream use, the what's going to have to happen is you're going to have to be supplying a product with full chain of custody, providence, um, knowledge of the genetics. Uh, no food manufacturer is going to want to put anything with heavy metals into it, into some food. And I think really the, the question is answered much more simply, Richard, by saying this, as the market in Europe explodes over the next three, five, 10 years, it's going to explode on the basis of people will need to be using and utilizing very well manufactured, processed, uh, and, and, control, and, and graded products that are consistent. 
I think this is all going to feed into consistency. If you're a food company in three years' time, you're not going to want to buy a batch and put it into some XYZ. And then the following week, oh, it's a different batch and it came from somewhere else and it's a different, it's kind of the same. Consistency is critical to anybody that's in pharmaceuticals, right? You can't have aspirin on the shelves that has varying ingredients, nor Tylenol, nor anything else, right? These are things people, you know, these are things people depend upon for relief or for as part of a course of treatment. Absolutely. You know, it's done a disservice to everybody in the industry for it to be thrown around as, you know, what it isn't or not to go towards standardization. And people don't necessarily understand you know, standardization is really of the final product. A plant is never going to be 100% standardized. There's also going to be genetic drift, but it's what you do with it to bring it to the point of the uh, consumer that's going to cause it to get to a standardized uh, delivery system. I couldn't agree more, Rich. And I think the situation you're seeing in Germany at the moment where people are increasingly buying distillates or isolates um, because they're heading down the route of the, the molecule or the oil that trend is only going to continue in Germany and elsewhere. And, uh, you know, the, the trend we've been seeing for the last 12 months where you see these stories of um, German doctors, uh, they buy flowers, they turn the flowers into, uh, they grind it up, they make their own medicine. That's not scalable. That's not sustainable. Longer term, that doctor, that doctor wants to be taking delivery of pure THC or a combination of pure THC and pure CBD or a another cannabinoid or some combination of the above, maybe with some entourage effects. And that's one of the things that, to go back to EXM, obviously we're still at early stages because at the moment the vast majority of the work in the lab has been about uh, refining and protocols and how you get various things out of the plant, extraction and refining, etc. But longer term, what are the right formulations and combinations of these cannabinoids to achieve the effects you want? And I think that's going to be very, very exciting, not just for us, but for a number of companies, and Richard, also yourself, because that could feed back into the genetics. What do you grow? What are we going to be turning that into in terms of a customer delivery mechanism? What enhances the effect of X, Y, Z? And at that point, that's when you see the market really explode in terms of customer demand. We all know it's going to be there because we all know multiple stories of friends of ours who have friends who've benefited enormously from the health benefits of the product. It's turning that into a mass product that's scalable and, as you said, Richard, consistent and reliable. That's the challenge for the industry. And if you, if the industry starts to use and base itself upon products that come out of EU GMP um, facilities and refineries, that's scalable. At the moment where people are sort of, there's wholesalers providing a product which doesn't have COAs, that's not scalable and frankly isn't an industry. And I think what you're seeing at the moment is CBD and CBN, THC, cannabinoids are going to become a regulated industry operating at a higher standard than you've seen so far. No, I fully agree. And let's come back to a bit more on that after the break. Um, coming back again with Jonathan Summers from EXMCeuticals, I'm Richard Zwicky with The Green Peak. The Green Peak will climb back into your podcast player after we play some messages from our sponsors. Pempire, a show dedicated to exploring the many potential therapeutic uses of the cannabis plant. Once a cornerstone of healing and now making a heroic comeback, cannabis has the potential to promote health and well-being, bring the body back to homostasis, 
and foster recovery for a healthier way of living. Hempire focuses on a diverse range of serious health issues, presenting views ranging from those of patients and their loved ones through those of researchers and medical professionals. Welcome to Hempire. Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now About a game for your phone gonna make you say wow The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash Little by little your empire grows large Put different celebrities inside your entourage You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Cheech and Chong Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong The name of the game is Himping, that's the point Download and play while you light yourself a joint Business and cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot proved by the man who run high times. Oh yeah, get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. Fortunate to have Michael Brewer of Brewer and Shipley. Your signature top 10 song, One Toke Over the Line. I've read a couple different versions of, of what the tune's origins are. What's the true story? We were playing a little club in Kansas City. A friend stopped by with some really good hash. We stepped out back and came back in. We're tuning up in the dressing room, and Tom said, Man, I'm really one toke over the line. And I just cracked up. I thought it was hysterical. We literally wrote that song just entertaining ourselves and to make our friends laugh. It's time to Hemp Resent, only on Cannabis Radio. Climbing our way up, up, up to the Cannabis Summit of Success, Cannabis Radio is back with more of the Green Peak. And we're back with Jonathan Summers from EXMceuticals. And Jonathan, uh, EXM's operations as far as the lab and everything else are based in uh, Lisbon, Portugal. Yeah. And there's a, there's a lot of talk in the industry about Portugal opening up and the difference in moving product there and its position relative to Europe. And, you know, people always talk about Malta and a couple of other hubs. But, you know, Portugal is a, is a really interesting one in terms of the cost base and the access to the market. How, why did you choose Portugal and what do you see as the advantages? So, uh, Richard, it's, it's a really interesting. So, um, uh, when we, WiseHS is our consultant in Portugal, and they've done a fantastic job. And I think they've, they're probably helping more people build cannabis businesses in Portugal than anybody else. And I would strongly recommend them. But um, just before uh, the lockdown happened in early March, I was in an event that they sponsored in Lisbon. Um, and there was, they had a presentation about, you know, the 10 reasons why you should build a cannabis business in Portugal. And a lot of it is very true. <clears throat> they have a very supportive legal code. They have a fantastic climate. I mean, other places like Malta do as well. But I think Portugal has a very, very uh, well-educated workforce that are not expensive. Mm-hmm. So you can actually get really good pharmaceuticals uh, headcount. Uh, you can, you, you know, you can, you, you know what you have to do to get the license. And once you have the license, you know what you can do. So that, that all exists. So Portugal makes sense from a number of levels. Um, you know, I think they really also want to build a business. And I think Portugal's always had an issue with they don't make enough. They serve a lot of great sea bass to holiday makers in the summer. The weather's <laughs> great. People play golf. Um, but it's not the wealthiest country in Europe. Again, evidenced by the wages being probably half of the German um, sum. Right. And, you know, that, that, that's, you know, so you can get the staff. 
uh, it's a great place to try to build a business. They're going to be providing grants to help you get off the ground. Um, anything to do with pharmaceuticals, uh, I think, is an industry they really want to encourage. But also, I think they have a proper regulator. I mean, Infomed takes things very seriously. They inspected us probably 12 times before we got the R&D license uh, for the laboratory. They checked everything in exhaustive detail. Mm -hmm. And other people who've been going down the route of the cultivation licenses in Portugal have had the same experience. So I think, look, when we are in commercial production and we're selling our products all around Europe and hopefully beyond, then people are comparing our products with other producers. I think something produced under a stamp which says, this has been authorized and approved and regulated by the Portuguese Medicines Authority, I think will actually carry some weight and will have a superior price point to say a product which is produced in another jurisdiction where there may not be a regulator that's as well thought of as Infomet. So look, that, that's a very quick answer to a very, very key and important question. But the other thing is, if you're building an extraction, refining, purification, formulation, packaging science business, which is what we're trying to do, effectively, or you know, a wellness biosciences business, we're going to have to build that in a country where there is access to biomass. So it's also based upon the fact there are going to be people growing locally, and there are supposedly going to be 30 of these by next summer in terms of operational or building towards it in terms of a license, but also being able to bring the product in from abroad. And Infomed has been very constructive on that. If it has a GMP certificate or it is heading towards a GMP certificate, you will be able to bring that product. It really regards itself as part of Europe. The young people there in particular are 90% in favor of membership. That's a very key part of the economy there, both in terms of industrial support and grants, but also it basically gives you access to a market of 600 million people. So right. with, with all due respect to the UK and what they decide to do, and I'm in the UK right now, mm -hmm. that's 57 million people heading off down a slightly different route. Being in Portugal gives me an end market of 600 million people who are going to want EU GMP cannabinoids over the next few years. So, Well, and, frankly, and the Portuguese EU GMP certification is broadly did, whereas some of the EU GMP certifications from more recent members in, into the uh, union are not being accepted to other jurisdictions. Portugal doesn't face that, which means it's a top tier. I think if you're operating an EU GMP facility in Portugal, it is going to be almost impossible for a mainstream European country to refu refuse your product access. Yep. No, I agree. You know, where we've come across issues with... Uh, from some of the more, well, the Eastern countries that have joined more recently with uh, groups accepting the certification. So not all, not all EGMP is the same. People throw it around as a moniker, which is supposed to mean a lot, but unfortunately it's, uh, it's not as standardized as one would hope. Richard, I think it's a little bit like the car industry. You know, rightly or wrongly, people pay a slightly higher price for a BMW because it comes from Germany than a car which is exactly the same, but is maybe made somewhere else. Yep, absolutely. Well, it's, you know, you pay for you pay for quality, and we pay for we need to do that, and always be mindful in in this and every other industry around that. So, you know, with that, Jonathan, I think we're unfortunately we're out of time for today. But I want to thank you for joining us. It's been uh, really interesting discussing the uh, the Portuguese opportunity and where things are going. I'd love to have you on again as thank things develop much. a bit further. Uh, for people who want to contact you, learning more about what's going on in Portugal, and uh, you know, potentially ways to collaborate, what's the best way to reach you? I'm contactable through the website, 
Um, there's an email link on there, the website, uh, exmceuticals.com. Uh, there's a lot of information up there as well uh, on what we're doing, how we're approaching cannabis and an investor deck too, which will give an idea of, of what we're heading down the, the route of doing. Um, and on there, uh, anything that's sent to the generic email on there will come, will, will make its way to me anyway. Well, that's great. Well, thanks for joining us today, Jonathan. And thanks to everybody for listening. Look forward to chatting with you again in another week. And I'm Richard Zwicky with The Green Peak. Thanks for listening. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.